Hey friends, I'm Fawn Ellerbrook, and I'm so glad to welcome you to another episode of What Matters Most with Faith Community. Today, we get to share a conversation that I think is really important for our current day. I had the opportunity to sit down with two awesome people who work in the mental health field about what it's like to be mentally and emotionally healthy and how we can get help when things are off balance. I also share a little bit about my personal journey with counseling and how some of the tools that I learned over the years have helped me to grow. I know this can be a really tough subject and everyone's journey is unique. This conversation isn't meant to provide solutions, but simply to show that this is a topic worth talking about and to remind each of us that we're all human and there's hope for us as we face the challenges of life. So take a deep breath, listen in, and be encouraged as we chat with counselors Donna Tilly and Mark Joyner about mental health. Do you drink coffee? I do, but I like too much creamer and <laughs> it makes my throat do weird things. So. I gotcha. I was like that. I didn't start drinking coffee until the last few years, but now I can drink cold brew with just a little creamer, okay. which I feel like an adult. Yeah. You know, I can drink a plain latte. Wow. It's very adult. <laughs> very. Nice. Yes. Nice. I'm not quite to the Folgers level yet, but maybe someday. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, coffee shops are like our, our favorite thing. So we, we spend too much money on coffee. But Okay, so um, today my name is Fawn Ellerbrook. I'm here with Donna and Mark, and we're going to be talking about the topic of mental health. So guys, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves. Donna, why don't you start? Sure. I'm Donna Tilly. Um, I am a therapist. I work with Fidelity Counseling. I have an office in Festus. I'm there three days a week. And then I have an office in South County, and I'm there two days a week. Awesome. Awesome. And you are married? I am married um, for almost 42 years. We have three children who have married incredible people, and we have nine grandchildren. We don't have time to talk about them today. <laughs> That's awesome. How about you, Mark? Yeah, my name is Mark Joyner. Um, I am with Kaleo Counseling, uh, also with Connect Counseling, STL, and um, uh, therapist there, uh, married. I have two beautiful kids. Uh, one's still in college. One is married. Yeah. That's weird to think. So you got married last year? Is that right? It's been a year, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, the 18th. So. Wow. I have a son-in-law. That's so, crazy. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Uh, proud. I love that answer. Yeah. So I actually like the guy so, <laughs> for the record. That for the helps. record. That, it that does really help. Uh, oh, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Um, well, let's start off by I think um, a lot of people have some preconceived ideas when you go to the topic of mental health. It can be something that people are really excited to talk about or something that people are like, yeah, no, that's not for me. Or um, maybe people have even had bad experiences. So, um, what led you guys to pursue a career in mental health? And actually, you know what? I want to back up. Let's start out. What is it? What does the topic of mental health mean? What does it mean mm -hmm. to be mentally or emotionally healthy? Let's start there, actually. How would you guys answer that question? Yeah, that's such a broad, <laughs> um, that's such a broad topic when yes. I think of that. Um, one is because it does include so many, I think, it's easy to think of mental health and think of our, our minds, our thoughts, but it's, it's so much greater than those things. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I think one of the first things that I ask clients when they come into the office is, um, when was the last time you had a physical? Oh, yeah. And it can be so simple as, um, what's your diet? Mm-hmm. What's your sleep? Um, are you exercising? So some of the simple things mm-hmm. can just begin be a beginning start as far as what's going on, mm-hmm. trying to diagnose as far as what the problem is. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's really just good. to scratch the surface. Right. Yeah. 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 I was thinking um, we're so quick to seek medical help if we have a broken bone mm-hmm. or we're having great pain. But when we have great pain mentally and emotionally, we try to hide that Yeah. instead of seeking out help. Mm-hmm. And so I really think mental-emotional health is being able, first of all, to acknowledge I have something inside mm-hmm. my emotions. Yeah. Don't feel like they're just exactly where they right. need to be or I'm not able to really state mm-hmm. what I'm feeling. So. I need help figuring mm-hmm. that out. Yeah. Do you think, um, do you see people who are able to recognize that quickly or do you think it takes people a long time? For me, um, I've been going to counseling. I started in 2016 and I went very regularly for a year, like almost once a week or every other week, um, just working through some things. And then I kind of trailed off and now I just kind of, you know, go on a as needed basis. But um for me, it took a really long time. Like I knew for most of my 20s that I needed to, and probably in my childhood, like there were just some things I ne- I really needed to talk through um, and work through, but it, w- it seemed terrifying. Like you think, and the very first when we um, did our introductory podcast with Josh and Lauren, um, it, I talked about like, it seems like you're going to go and they're going to be like, you are the worst person in all of history. Like there's literally never been someone as bad as you. Um, and when I went, it was like so refreshing cause she just was like kind. And, um, there've been times where she's like, what if I told you that you're not the first person that said that to me? And, um, yeah. So yeah. Do you think people, um, how long does it take people to, to reach out for help? I think that varies by person. Yeah, for sure. And usually by session too. A lot of people yeah. wait until the last 10 minutes of session to really get to <laughs> yeah, the heart of the good. matter. Yeah. You know? And I think that a lot of times speaks of fear of, will you judge me? Yeah, there, It's that building that trust that, yeah. okay, I feel like now we can talk about mm-hmm. what is really bothering me. Yeah. Do you find that, Mark? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people come in in crisis mode, mm-hmm. so they've, they've waited too long where things are really bad and they have to Mm -hmm. seek help. And then there's some people that actually come in as like preventive maintenance. They're like, I know something's Mm -hmm. not right. whether it's Or like family history or something. Yeah, yeah. And they can kind of sense it. And they have, I guess, the courage Mm -hmm. to seek help or it's it's not a sign of weakness, but it's more of like, it's more accepted in their their circles maybe. Yeah, yeah. Friends are seeking help, and so um, they're more open to the idea, and so they're more proactive, and, and they do treat it more of like um, uh, preventive maintenance. I think so. Yeah, that's good. What does a typical session look like? Mine have been just kind of different each time. Um, I probably went in on more of the crisis mode of like, 
okay, this is really wrong. I need help. Um, um, and it's usually, yeah, waiting till the, at least at the beginning, waiting until the last bit. And my counselor is so gracious and just talking with me and building that trust. And, um, it was definitely something God, um, aligned and helped put together and connect me with the right person, which was really helpful. But what does a typical session look like for somebody? If you were to explain, this is what you could expect if you were to, um, book a counseling appointment. (laughs) <laughs> or is there an answer that you can give to that? Oh, there's. it's like a, a spectrum. Yes, <laughs> totally. It depends on, is it a couple coming in? Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Or I um, work with people who are dealing with grief. So that's mm. different too. Yeah. Um, people who, it just depends on the person, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think one thing that really helps is honesty, mm-hmm. being honest, yeah. um, you know, trusting the counselor that that comes with time, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of developed. But I think if a person is is really seeking to be honest, it really helps. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there have been times where, at least like things that I've dealt with, it's just like hard to say them out loud, and so you just beat her on the bush for a while, and you mm-hmm. just kind of have to eventually get to that point where it's like, okay. It's either I do this or I don't, and this is going to help me or not. Um, sometimes I think people go into counseling thinking that the counselor's there to like fix your problems, and really, that's not it at all. They're just facilitating your own healing. Like they're helping you draw that out of yourself. We're not fixers. No, <laughs> no, and really, and I've heard of some people like where it's like, well, yeah, my counselor told me to do this and this and this. I'm like, actually, I don't know if that's good because I think you're supposed to be the one help, like really discovering how to. Um, work out what's ever going on there. They're, sh- they're just there to help and be a helpful listening ear. Um, so how long have you guys, I, I mean, you may have said this at the beginning, how long have you guys been doing this and what what led you to this, this field? Because I think a lot of people, I have a degree in behavioral science, so I have like a taste of some of these things. Um, and one of the things we talked about, some people go in because they want to fix their own stuff. <laughs> they want to learn mm-hmm. like diagnose themselves almost or how, how they can explore their own uh, struggles or issues, but what what led you guys to do this? I knew at a young age that I wanted to be a helper of some kind. I okay. actually thought I wanted to be a physical therapist. Oh, okay. And um, I got married young, and life happened, and it I just didn't do it. You know, mm. it happens sometimes. Yeah. So this is a later career for me. I've had yeah. several different job opportunities and careers, but I finished my degree in eighteen. Okay. So fairly, well, yeah. three years now Okay, um, that I've been doing this. But pastoral counseling, right. you know, we've been in ministry, my husband and I, for several years. And so ministering with people mm-hmm. and talking with them. But this is different now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just knew, first of all, I had had some situations in my own life where I sought a counselor. Yeah. And thought, oh, I really appreciated that. And right. I think that's something that I would like to do. Yeah. And so my husband kind of kicked me in the seat and said, it's time. <laughs> go, go, go. And so here we are. That's awesome. Yeah. So you've been practicing for three years, you mm-hmm. said? Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Have you been at the same um, practice? Yes, I have. Very I was cool. very fortunate. Um, my supervisor became 
my boss. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you have to do like a like a practicum kind of? You do a practicum, and then once you pass your test, you get to do three thousand hours of supervision. Oh, okay. So, That's yeah. well. I'm glad because yeah. you don't want people who are just doing this willy nilly. You're exactly right. <laughs> I'm glad. How about you, Mark? Yeah, I think it's it's been definitely a process. I think early on. Um, in my 20s, I wanted to be in, in ministry, okay. um, and that just didn't happen. So I entered the business world, um, and then over the course of just life events, um, one being uh, the passing of my wife, yeah. Karen, uh, in 2009, that uh, sent me down um, a place I never knew existed. Mm. Um, and so it, it it's... It's such a process. Um, I remember um, there's certain memories that just stand out. And I remember driving to church uh, with Karen and the kids in the backseat. We had a minivan and, and we were driving to church uh, Sunday morning. And it just kind of, I was teaching a Sunday school class at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, I am teaching out of my, out of my, my own brain. Yeah. It, yeah. it was more of my thoughts. It was more of my head knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I've, I have not experienced a lot of this. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after that is when she was diagnosed. And, and that just started a whole journey of um, four years of chemotherapy and, yeah. and grief and then grief on the other side right. and, um, and just needing help. And this, and this church was a huge blessing mm. for me and my family. Um, people that embraced us in so yeah. many different ways, the Sunday school class, the, yeah. the church body, and and just reaching out and needing needing support. Um, yeah, and so that kind of paved a way uh, of knowing what um, counseling could, how it can benefit. Yeah. And then also kind of like directing me down that, that path. And so... Just uh, situations kind of led led me to this, yeah. and I remember going out to dinner with a a friend, and and it was kind of new, and I was telling him what I was doing, and they said, "You want to listen to people's problems?" <laughs> and I had never heard it in that way. I'm like, "Yeah, I guess I do," and it was yeah. because someone had listened to me, and 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 their presence, their patience, their grace had was part of my healing process. Yeah. And so that's probably the long answer to no, that's great. a question. But yeah, it's just yeah, seeing the benefits and then also wanting to be be a help to yeah. someone else. Yeah, that's so good. I never had the privilege of knowing Karen. I think uh, I came, you know, shortly after uh, she passed, but she has made a big difference in people's lives and mm-hmm. um yeah, I love hearing stories about her and her singing and all of that. So uh, when you talk about grief, I think that's something that so many people deal with in a variety of ways, whether it is losing someone that they care about um, or part of their family, or I think even in the last two years, it's crazy that it, to think that it's been almost two years at this point, we've all experienced different kinds of grief and disappointment and uh, our lives changing and um, being kind of tumultuous, even in like a subconscious way. Um, whether that's losing a job or just not knowing what to expect, how do you um, how do you approach uh, helping someone walk through grief? What does that look like? Because I think um, 
just like any healing, it's it's a process. Like I found myself in 2016 when I started going to counseling, there were some other things going on, but it was actually right after I started going, my grandma passed away. And it was like one of the most devastating things I've ever experienced. And four months later, my aunt passed away. Um, and it was just, it was awful. Um, and so I've known that type of grief. Um, and it's taken even, you know, it's still unfolding. Um, but then there's the grief that it's just life didn't turn out how I expected. How do you, how do you walk people through that? I think it's so important to allow people to help people say exactly what they're feeling about that. Sometimes we're angry about that. This is not what I planned for my life to look like. And I'm kind of angry. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm kind of angry at God. Yeah. And I like people to understand that you can just go ahead and say that. He mm. already knows, right? <laughs> yeah, we think we can like pretend and like, yeah. oh, yeah, we're cool. We're good. I'm not talking to you, but we're but good. But the best thing is he can handle it. Yeah. And he still loves us through it. It's okay, right? Yeah. Mm. Or maybe I am just really sad because I thought my life was going to yeah. look so different than mm. what right. it does. Yeah. Uh, I, there's this little book that I love to share with people. It's called Tear Soup. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And it's I've about heard of grief. That. Yeah. It's the sweetest book. But it talks about how everybody's grief is different, just like soup is different. The ingredients are going to be different. Yeah. And nobody can make it for you. You have to make it yourself. And nobody can say when it's done except for you. Oh, that's good. No one can say when it's done except for you. Yeah, I think. Yeah especially when you're walking through some of that with like a loved one or you have a friend, like it can be really hard to watch someone walk through that for like a long period of time and you want it to just be over. And it's like, and maybe even you have an expectation for yourself, like, oh, it's been three years. Like, why does this still hurt this way? Or why am I still triggered when I encounter this situation? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's up to you to say yeah, when, when you're, when you're through that process. Right. What was that like for you, Mark? Or what have you seen in your practice? Yeah, I, I think I think a huge part, um, like you brought up, even like the last couple of years, as far as what what people have experienced, mm-hmm. grief is is all over. It. It's not only in the passing of someone we love; yeah. it's it's the loss of a job. So grief is is so much. And I think even pointing out what's been lost mm-hmm. and acknowledging it, um, I think as a people. Um, we we avoid pain. <laughs> yeah. We we don't like pain. I don't like pain. Yeah. And so um sometimes it's it's giving permission that they need to experience mm-hmm. pain. Um and that can be really scary. Yeah. Um but I think that's part of I mean even if we look at uh Jesus's life all the pain that he suffered. Yeah. He's an example that um, just allowing ourselves to experience pain, mm-hmm. uh, providing room for that, inviting them into that, that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can look all kinds of different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm just thinking of grief as, as allowing people to experience pain and be there with them so that mm-hmm. um, they can do it well and that they can heal from it. Yeah. Um, 
and not avoid the pain. I think that's a lot of the work that we do is, is, a, is helping people be okay with feeling pain and, and hard, hard emotions. And as a people, um, whether you're a believer or not believer, we all avoid hard emotions. We yeah. think that, that um, negative emotions are bad, but we're emotional people. <laughs> yeah. And so we have to have either it might be permission or it might be even practicing what it looks like to, to have emotions and not exercise in a, a negative way, mm-hmm. uh, detrimental, but in a positive way that, um, yeah, just what it means to be human. What it means to be human. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit more because I think emotions just as like a concept are hard for people like maybe to process or think about. We think, I think we can put, like you kind of mentioned, there are good emotions and there are bad emotions. And I want to stay in the good emotion, like happy, joy, fun, laughing. Not laughing is not emotion, but um, how do you talk about emotions and kind of normalize the spectrum of them and not just um, putting them in the good or bad or whatever camp? I think, first of all, just acknowledging them. Mm-hmm. And then helping people recognize where they feel that emotion. Mm. Where, where do you feel emotion sometimes? People feel anger in the pit of their stomach. Okay, sometimes. so like where in your body? Literally, yeah. What does it feel like to mm-hmm. feel angry? Mm, yeah. What does it feel like to feel sad? Could we sit with that feeling for a little bit? Yeah. And talk about how that causes us to react or respond. Mm-hmm. Big difference in reacting and responding, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. And does the emotion drive that? How do we talk about that? How do we how do we handle that? Yeah. Do you find that it's hard for people to process those kind like to learn how to? Um, I guess it's almost like a practice of teaching yourself how to to do those things because eventually, hopefully, the goal is that. Uh, I think it's good to have like counseling and all of these things for preventative and care, but you do need to start being able to do some of these things on your own so that you can grow and mature. Um, do you, is it hard for people to to begin to do that, or is it is it rewarding when you start to see them being able to do that? Very rewarding when you see it, but it does take time. I often uh, tell a story about I was on a phone call with somebody that was particularly stressful in my life. (laughs) And here I was, and I was reaching in the cabinet for an Oreo at the same time. And I was like, ah. Oh my gosh, yeah. (laughs) I get it now. (laughs) (laughs) This Oreo is my comfort. Exactly. You know, and sometimes that was a, that was a little thing for me. Yeah. But sometimes we do have to see what the parallel, what does it look like when we put these mm-hmm. things together? Why do I do some of the things that I do? Yeah. It's because of the emotion that's sitting within me that I'm not dealing with. I'm trying to soothe it another way. Yeah. I noticed that, um, and I hate to admit this, um, but when I get feel stressed, I reach my phone and I, uh, for my phone and I open up Facebook. I don't know why. I hate that I do that, but yeah, it's just like I literally will like get my phone and open up Facebook. I'm like, what am I doing? This is not helping me. I've deleted the app several times. It's part of my job, so it's kind of hard to keep it away forever. But 
I try to delete it periodically. For some reason, Instagram is fine for me, but Facebook is like the drug. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why. It's you, like you would be amazed at how many people sit in my office and tell me the the issues they have because of social media. Oh, I That can could probably imagine. be its own podcast, but mm. yeah. Yeah. Um it's big. For sure. Yeah, I think we've definitely seen that. It's hard because it's such a great tool, but and I guess like anything, like something can be really good and it can also be really detrimental to you. And I think um speaking of social media, we've seen a big at least for me, like in my own observation, I've noticed that mental health and self-care and all these things. And I don't mean this lightly because I don't want to like belittle anybody's process or whatever, but it seems like it's become kind of a trend to talk about it and like self-care. And there are people who have real mental illness and real struggles. And I'm, I'm sure everybody has hard things. I think every person on the planet could benefit from counseling. I think we could all use it. Um, But what have you guys seen in that? Like, what does that make you think? Like, is it a good thing that people are more open to talking about it, or that it's kind of become a trendy thing, or are we kind of missing the mark? What do you What do you guys think? Yeah, I think I think we're in a, a place where, particularly when you think of people of faith um, and emotions, mm-hmm. um, emotions have a place, and it's like, what place does it have? Um, mm. We don't want to be ruled by our emotions, right? Um, but we are emotional people, and so what place does it play in our lives? And uh, yeah, I think coming back to even a lot of times people will come because of their symptoms, mm. and and really a lot of our work is is working through what's causing the symptom. And a lot of times it's suppression of emotions. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, being angry and, and not, not having, not being allowed to be angry mm-hmm. um, because you grew up in a house where that wasn't permitted. Oh yeah. Uh, and there's different scenarios, um, but it's going to come out. Our emotions will come out whether we um, express them, emote them, they're going to come out. And so, um, I think it's just trying to find the right place and having the right language mm-hmm. to express emotions so that it's not, I mean, if we were emotionless, we would be robots and emotions help us to connect to one another. And yeah. so emotions are good. Yeah. Um, and so we want to find its, its place. Yeah. Um, they can be signposts. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm thinking just trying to find what place it, it fits mm-hmm. so that we're not ruled by them, but that we're... We're also kind of letting them be signposts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. That's good. I think normalizing um, the need for counseling is really important. Mm-hmm. I'm obviously the oldest in this room. <laughs> and back in the day, believers just believed. They didn't yeah. need to go talk to anybody. Yeah. It was kind of like, hmm, got a problem, huh? Mm-hmm. It's not fair to dump all our stuff on the pastor. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't be our therapist. Yeah, he's he's our biblical counselor. Yeah, he's our shepherd. He guides us, but he shouldn't be our therapist. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and he's not necessarily qualified for exactly. that. Exactly. I think a lot exactly. of people like we get calls in the office. Um, I'm on staff here at Faith Community, and no one means anything wrong by it, but they kind of expect that out of mm-hmm. the pastors. 
And that is not what they're qualified or educated to do. Um, and so some people can be really hurt by that. And it's, it's obviously we want to help people, but there is a boundary that we have to have because people really do need real help and guidance in that area. Or maybe they have like real mental illness struggles that we are not equipped to handle and they, they need somebody else. Yeah, exactly. So I, I really try, I think everybody should have a therapist. Yeah. I think therapists should have a therapist. I have one. Oh, I can't imagine, like like you said, hear it, Mark, hearing people's problems all day. Like, yeah, you need somebody to help process. <laughs> but, you know, when my friends, they want a session, I give them a name. <laughs> I'm, I'm your friend. I'm not your therapist. But oh, I good. have a good person that I think you would like to talk to. And so I, I just really believe it's so important. And people have come back to me and said, thank you so much for mm-hmm. encouraging me to do that. Because we all have something that we could deal with. Yeah. I I love the fact that you think everybody needs a therapist because that's great because I'm a therapist. But <laughs> <laughs> I also want to, you know, what what I do is help people practice what they can take into the real world. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I want them to be at a place where they can take their experience with me, and obviously, there's there's a professional level that that we help people with, but there's a depth of of relating to people mm-hmm. that um, people are just missing, and and a connection that they need. We need each other, and and so um, trying to provide a, a model um, so that they can not be so dependent on on us as a counselor, mm-hmm. but so they can seek it out in the real world, in, in their church, mm-hmm. in their group of friends, taking relationships deeper mm-hmm. so that they can be um, emoting, yeah. expressing mm-hmm. what what they're experiencing, having those trusted relationships. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's really risky for people. And so... Uh, you know, them coming to a counselor and taking that risk and and kind of like walking through that and and, and being safe and like this actually was good. This was yeah. a good thing for me to sure. share this mm-hmm. and be okay and not be afraid of my emotions. A lot of people are afraid of their emotions. Yeah. Why do you think that is? That's a good question. <laughs> I, I think they're afraid that uh, they'll be stuck in them. Oh, okay. Um, that it will it will consume them and that will that will be identified as mm. as that emotion but i think that's a good question there's there's probably lots of reasons i think part of it too is people don't know where they can be vulnerable and be mm. safe at the same time yeah um and i i think it, they don't know. Can I share that emotion with you? Are you able to handle? Oh, that? yeah, that's a good point. Um, that's one of the things with couples we have to work with is we are not going to reveal what we're feeling if we don't feel safe with the person. Right. And I don't mean physically safe. I mean emotionally right, safe. Right. Yeah. Or are they going to go and share what I say or yes. whatever? Are they going to judge me mm-hmm. for that? Or is everything that I say going forward going to be judged by that emotion? <laughs> Yeah, we get so caught up in that that then we just hide it all, yeah. and that's dangerous. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, I think that was probably part of my hesitance of like you in your mind, especially when you like isolate yourself in your mind. Do you think like number one, I'm like the worst, or, or at least for me, I guess I shouldn't generalize. For me, that was my experience. I'm 
I'm beyond help. I have often told my counselor this, like I could look at somebody who murdered someone and think there's grace for you. Like there, obviously there are earthly consequences Mm -hmm. and that was a horrible thing, but there's grace for you and God. And I could not accept that for myself. Mm -hmm. And I have never murdered anyone to be clear. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's hard. You think when you, when you just get stuck in your mind, like you believe the lie of like, I'm never going to get past this emotion or this feeling. Like it's Mm -hmm. always going to be like, like a car payment. It's always going to be with me. I'll never, I'll always have this thing that I carry Mm. around. Um, So I think that can be a really tough thing for people that they'll never move beyond it. That's a good, I mean, you bringing that up is, is the whole idea of like, what does change look like? Yeah. And, and change is slow. Mm -hmm. Um, Change is slow. But that's, that's the beautiful thing as far as how we're created. We are created to change. Mm -hmm. And so, um, what does that look like? How do we invite people into this um, even idea that, hey, I can change? Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like? And just like, really exploring and uh, having the courage to to even take steps, small steps towards that. Yeah. Or what change might look like. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, I've definitely found that for myself. It's a slow process and you think it should be faster, but... It's been it's been a gift that it's slow because I think that's where you get like the sustainable yeah. change. Like it's Good. it's going to be something that's forming inside of me. Yeah, and I've made myself feel bad about that in the past. But it's like I look back over the last I don't want to do math right now. However many years it's been since two thousand sixty-five, mm-hmm. um, and I think I'm so grateful for the process and grateful for that. You know, we have people like therapists and counselors in the world that can help us through that process. Mm. I have one practical question. What is the difference between like the different mental health professionals, like a counselor, a therapist, you guys are LPCs. Is that what? Um, um, PLPC. PLPC. Yeah. So you're still in your, is that your 3000 hour? I'm working towards my 3000 yeah. hours. Yeah. Okay. Glory. Okay. <laughs> you're in it. It will happen. Hang yes. In there. <laughs> it's a process. Change is slow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What are what are the differences in like a, a psychologist? How would you ex- explain that? Because I think it can be a confusing thing for people. So counselor and therapist are interchangeable. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Um, uh, I mean, a, a psychologist. Uh, there's doctors that are more in in the medicine. Gotcha. Okay. And so that would be more as far as like. Um, that's where we use terms mental health. Um, okay. And so there's like there's, in the psychologist doctor world, right? Okay. And so there's a place for that for sure. Um, and I think what, I think as a counselor, we would say there's there's both. You know, we want mm-hmm. if there's a mental illness, we want um, to be open to medicine mm-hmm. and also um, behaviors, and that's where yeah. we come in as far as behaviors, yeah, um, patterns, um, thoughts, um, yeah different types of therapy to help us uh, change, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, um, when I was in school, I took you know several different classes. I took sociology and um, classes that were geared towards like school counselors or um, youth, um, and then just a basically like survey of all of like the DSM kind of stuff. Um, I love that. <laughs> She's talking about the DSM. <laughs> I don't know which version we're on right now, but... <laughs> Five? Five. Five, Five? okay. <laughs> Some are still stuck in four. Oh, so, 
Nice. Um, one of them I came across that I really loved. Um, I don't remember the name of the person who like created theory, but like solutions focused or solutions yes. based. Um, and I loved that because it was like this, the first person, do you guys know who this, the person is that created it? I don't, I don't recall like her name or anything, but it was someone that experienced like significant, like significant trauma and just something awful had happened to her. And she had been through counseling and therapy and I don't know what else and it, nothing ever helped. And this, she sat down with this woman and she's like, they're making you relive this every, it's like, they just want you to mm. keep talking about it and keep talking mm. about it. And they've never actually asked you, what does it look like to live beyond this? Because this awful thing happened to you, but there is life on the other side of it yeah. when you process that. Um, have you guys seen that that other side process with a person that you've helped? Obviously, you don't share names or specifics, but like, what is it like as a as a counselor to see someone on that on that other side as you've watched them walk through that process? It's one of the reasons we do what we do, right? Yeah, mm. is when we see someone say, "Okay, I I." I'm do I'm doing better. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think I can do this. I think I've figured out why I do what I do. Yeah. And I want to move forward with some new tools in my hands mm-hmm. to be better. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, one of the things that stands out to me is uh, flexibility because mm. people be- become very rigid as far as this is the way it, it always has been. This is the way it is. Yeah. And so interjecting like, well, what does this look like? And ideas. And mm-hmm. so, one thing as counselors we don't do is we don't tell people what to do. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. It, and that's that's really tricky because I come from a background of teaching, and so it's like I can't. I, I don't tell people what to do. There is there is what's called psychoeducation where you do teach a little bit in the sense of like what might be normal. Yeah. Um, you know, grief grief work is is work. Knowing that it's work. Knowing that it's going to be physically exhausting. Yeah helps but um a lot of what we do is is kind of leading them mm-hmm. um and so helping them explore uh what's mm-hmm. not working and yeah. what are your options yeah so that you might have more flexibility and not mm-hmm. stuck um and that are more positive um more connected with other people uh, mm-hmm. relationally yeah do you think that made me think um and maybe it could be just my personality. I am an Enneagram one. I identify as an Enneagram one. I am, I don't want to say that I'm a perfectionist, but I kind of am in some ways. And I can kind of view things as like pass fail. Did I do it right or did I do it wrong? And if I did it wrong, that is literally, it's like Chernobyl. It's bad. It's it's the end of the world. Yeah. Um, do you find people feel, feel that way in, in the rigidity of like, this is how it is, and this is how it's going to be. And the ones do. <laughs> <laughs> Me, yes. I'm a two. <laughs> oh, okay. So I thought I was a six because I also like think of catastrophes and I have ang- deal with anxiety sometimes. And I was actually extremely offended when I discovered that I was one because I was like, then I have to change, and I was wrong, mm, which yeah. is perhaps indicative of being a one. <laughs> My counselor, I think it was last year, I had a session and she asked me, I was like, oh, I'm a six. And she's like, well, let's walk through, like take this test again. And because I also know a little bit about it. And so I will answer the questions of like, I want to be a seven, (laughs) you know? And I remember like the one question that like changed everything. um, Because I do have like some, I think we all have tendencies of all of them, but um, 
yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, it was the most enlightening thing when I realized it was like my biggest fear is failing Mm. and like being wrong or bad, you know? And yeah, it changed the rigidity of like, this is how it's been and this is how it's always going to be. It opened my eyes to like, it's okay to mess up. (laughs) It's okay to, for this to be a process and that it is taking a long time. It's okay to, to, um, fumble your way towards healing and towards, um, growing and maturing and all of that. What are some, well, we talked Enneagram, obviously those kind of personality profiles. I know some people don't enjoy the Enneagram or they have feelings about what it is. It's not a, it's not a theology. It's a tool. Um, what are some practical things that you could tell people, um, or maybe even that you give people to work through, maybe anxiety or stress or some of the common struggles. Um, actually, first, sorry, I'm just backtracking. What are the common struggles that you see people coming in with um, on, on an average? Definitely anxiety. Yeah. This world just kind of seems to induce anxiety for a lot of people, right? <laughs> oh, why? Uh-huh. I'm opening my phone for, sure. for Facebook yes, when I get exactly. scared or sad. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Relationship issues. Am yeah, I being yeah. heard? Am I being understood? Mm. I don't know how to communicate with the one I love. Yeah. Wow, yeah. And people are able to self, self-identify self mm-hmm. that. Wow, that's good. I think, I think something that really stands out to me is coping mechanisms. We all have coping mechanisms, and we, we, we begin to build them early on mm-hmm. in developmental stages. What is childhood. a coping mechanism? Um, one could be avoidance. So if your parents are fighting... You go in the other room, mm. and you can't handle the, those intense emotions. So it's something that you do to like avoid yeah. whatever thing you're identifying as a problem or a pain or, point. Or the or, opposite would be to fight that you engage that, mm. and you and you want to be heard. And so you, you're fighting. You're always fighting. And so the list could go on as far as coping mechanisms, your phone, your Oreo. Um, <laughs> I, I do ice cream also. There's a list of coping mechanisms. <laughs> no confession necessary Yes, today. yes. And so kind of to your point, like when, when do people like become aware of like they need counseling? Mm. And a lot of times it's because their coping mechanism that they've used for umpteen years has become outdated and it mm-hmm. doesn't work in a marriage. It doesn't work as an adult. Wow, yeah. uh, there's different stages of life. Maybe you might be retiring and your work was a coping mechanism, mm-hmm. um, different seasons. And so identifying what the coping mechanism is and, and what you're trying to basically soothe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and trying to like, okay, well, the greatest fear, what happens if you don't have this coping mechanism? Yeah. And then kind of like, Experiencing that and just living in the pain, allowing the pain, allowing the emotion. Because a lot mm-hmm. of times, when we have a coping mechanism, we're numbing. We're yeah. we don't want to feel. And mm-hmm. so what happens is we numbing is not um, it's, it's a, there's no prejudice. So mm-hmm. we numb from good feelings as, as well as bad feelings. And That's so when we allow ourselves to feel, we're actually feeling pain, but we're also feeling a greater. Uh, presence of joy, of mm-hmm. hope, and, and, and happiness. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of it is trying to find a healthy coping mechanism that moves us towards relationship and yeah. moves us towards uh, allowing us to feel. Um, and again, wh- what, is, what is mental health? It's how do you define that? Mm-hmm. And I think it would be, one definition would be um, 
living wholeheartedly, oh, being able to take a risk, yeah. being able to trust, um, being able to be hurt and not avoiding all those things because we will be hurt. We will experience yeah. trouble. Yeah. Um, but taking risk and, and yeah. being courageous, I think, is one definition of mental health. That's really good. Yeah. Um, That's good, Mark. Yeah. One one thing I noticed as you're talking about like the coping me- mechanisms specifically, none of those things were inherently bad things. I like that. Like, an Oreo isn't inherently bad. Facebook, I mean, we can talk about it, but it's not inherently, <laughs> in and of itself, right, it is not yeah. bad. Um, leaving an argument and hiding in the other room is not inherently bad, but it's the distortion of how we use those things that becomes unhealthy and becomes an avoidance mechanism. That's really good insight. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, I have I have some experience with uh, <laughs> avoiding things. <laughs> well, and how we carry that into the rest of our life yeah. too. You know, yeah. what what does that do for us then when we're at work? Yeah, and things are difficult. Do we avoid or do we interject or or what happens then? Because we've learned a, a behavior mm-hmm. that we need to hone into something maybe better. Yeah. Yeah, or what do you do when you are hurt? Uh, if you are the Christian, you know, and Jesus says in, in John that you will have troubles in this world, but take heart, I've overcome. Like, how do we live like that? Like, oh, yeah, things are in this world. Like, the world is messed up. We're going to get hurt. But can we weather those storms? Uh, I think it's kind of what you're saying with mental health. Can we Can we have stability and flexibility? And as life comes, rolls, roll with the punches, as people say. Mm. That's really good. So, what are some some practical things? Um, yeah, I definitely see a lot of people talking about anxiety, and it's kind of become. There's like clinical anxiety. What's the difference between something like clinical, like where people need medication, mm. and just feeling like I'm just feeling anxious? You know, is, can you speak to that, or is that a bad question? Um, <clears throat> I can speak to it a little bit. I think. Okay. People who come in with anxiety, there are tools, there are breathing Mm -hmm. exercises we can do. There's some mindfulness training Mm -hmm. that we can do. Yeah, if it becomes clinical that, you know, we can't deal with this, then we're going to say, let's talk to your medical doctor. Let's see a psychiatrist. Yeah. Let's see if there is something that you need more than what we're providing for you. Yeah. Yeah, my um, counselor in one of our last sessions um, sent me this video series. It's really old, so it's real cheesy, but um, it's I don't remember what the name of it was, and I don't want to like recommend it because I haven't watched the whole thing. But um, it was really funny. I was like, I felt very seen. I was like this girl who's like on a yoga mat and trying to do yoga, and there's this guy like behind her, like, "How could you be doing this? There's a pandemic, or there's like something really bad going on. You are terrible. Like, how can you be focusing on this?" And like, that is like what anxiety feels like. You can't. You can't stop the goofy thing, the narratives that are going on in your head. What what are what are some of the um, what does mindfulness look like, or what does it look like to be able to set some of those things aside, or um, maybe even I feel like depression would probably be a common one. And obviously, there's clinical um, where you need medication, but then there's also seasonal things like I have a hard time in winter, or I'm just having a hard time and feeling down right now. What are mm. what are some some tips and Practices that you can give people. Yeah, I think in kind of determining, you know, whether mental illness is, is at play or whether it's just, you know, patterns or or seasons where, yeah, it sometimes you can kind of like 
kind of go back. It's like, what changed? Mm. Um, did something change to cause this? And if we can kind of like put a pin it back to something, yeah. then it's we can say, okay, well, this is kind of like this interruption, this disruption is causing this. Mm-hmm. But if nothing really changed, then it might be more of a mental illness. And, and then that's when you want to have a diagnosis possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times the, the, the therapy is not going to change. Mm-hmm. And so the medicine will help regulate chemical imbalance, mm-hmm. but you're still going to want to have the therapy to either help uh, wane off of the medication or because some people can't take medication for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And so you're still looking for uh, therapy to change behavior to mm-hmm. work in the best you can mm-hmm. um, tools, basically. And so um, I don't know. Did I answer your question or did I? Yeah, no, that's hear? good. I think probably it's a hard question to answer because it, it's just different for everybody. Um, and this is where the value of seeing a counselor and walking through those, identifying the things that you're struggling with and um, being able to work through some of those tools because it's um, it's really only something that you can do yourself. You can only... You can only um, change your own behavior. No one can force you to be mindful or I'm going to choose in this moment to respond instead of react. I'm going to choose to take a breath and why am I feeling anxious or why am I feeling sad or depressed? Um, only only we can, can figure those things out. So I think that's good. What would you say to someone um, right now as we're recording this, we're in the holiday season, um, what would you say to someone to just encourage them if they're having a hard time with um, maybe they do have an empty chair at the table or um, they're caught up in the stress of it all and they can't seem to enjoy it. I found that in the past of just things get so busy and it's like, I'm not even enjoying Like, why am I doing this? I'm not enjoying it. What would you say to somebody that mm. in this in this season? I think when we think about the empty chair, I one of the things that I have found that has helped some of my clients is to help them understand that you can hold joy and sorrow at the same time. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. You really can. Yeah. And sometimes we feel guilty when when we're grieving, but we feel a little bit of joy at the same time. Mm. Am I free to express that? What will people think? It's okay to hold both. Um, and I try to encourage people to actually embrace that. Mm-hmm. Because those moments of joy help us bring help bring us out of our sorrow. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know it doesn't just go from there's not a line that we cross. <laughs> Grief yeah. doesn't mm-hmm. happen that way. Yeah, we have to work through it. Mm-hmm. So hold both at the same time. Be willing to do that. That's really good. And I also yeah. think the anxiety that can be created in the holidays, the stress. Sometimes we have to be willing to say no to some things. How do you do that? Right, <laughs> right. But is this best for me? Is this best for my family? Mm. Or would taking a breather maybe be more beneficial for us right now? And it's okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I really like that. That's good. I, I think in terms of, of, like you said, black and white, a lot of times we think either or. I can mm. either be sad or I can be happy. When what you're saying, I think is is and I can be yeah. happy yeah. and sad, and um, I think some of uh, what grief is, and even 
some of what we're experiencing during hard seasons is like integration. Mm. Uh, how do we integrate this loss or how do we integrate this anxiety um, into mm. our lives? Because mm-hmm. um, I, I, I'm coming back to grief because grief is, it, it's never gone. Mm-hmm. But what we try and do is integrate. What is what does this life look like now? Mm-hmm. And kind of accept like a new that. normal kind of thing. New normal, yeah, yeah. And so, um, but like you said, mindfulness is that's you know just being mindful of uh, of what it is that's that you're that you're struggling with. Mm-hmm. You know what is it, and then kind of like. Being able to name it, having uh, a vocabulary to be able to name what you're feeling, I feel like helps to identify it uh, versus like it's just kind of like swirling around inside of me mm-hmm. or outside of me. And um, but yeah, I think being able to um, to get, kind of put a name to it. What mm-hmm. what is what is going on? Am I feeling lonely in this crowd? And why am I yeah. feeling lonely in this crowd? Yeah. Um, what do I need? And so just being able to, to identify kind of like what you're saying as far as being mindful of what's what's happening. So, Yeah, yeah, that's really good. It can be a hard thing to do to admit those things to yourself um, mm-hmm. and accept it as, okay, this is what's happening and I'm going to figure something out to um, move forward. You talked about saying no. What does it look like to... Um, set healthy boundaries, especially in seasons or maybe times of your life um, where there are a lot of expectations on you, um, like in the holidays or perceived perhaps, maybe not even real expectations, um, or even like um, just relationally, maybe there's a relationship that isn't the healthiest for you to be a part of, but it's a family member or a really close friend and you don't know how to set those boundaries or set up some guidelines for yourself of how to engage in that. How do you, how do you do that? What would you say to somebody that, that needs help in that area? Boundaries are so important and they're difficult to maintain sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really like for people to know, first of all, to become aware of where do I need the boundary? Mm-hmm. And much- actually define what a boundary is too, as you're explaining this. So, in my mind, Mark, you might want to step in here, but a boundary mm-hmm. is when you're saying to keep myself safe, mm-hmm. I have to draw a line. Right. Okay. And that's okay. That's not selfishness. That's that's just taking care of self, right? Right. So if there is somebody in your life that really you just aren't ready to be able to handle them, then sometimes a little bit is okay. You don't have to spend three days with that person, right? You say, <laughs> don't go on a vacation yeah, together. Yeah. I can probably do an hour, but I'm going to speak to my spouse and say, okay, I'm going to be ready to go at this point, mm-hmm. or I need to move to a different room, or I, I can't handle those conversations. Those, those mm-hmm. don't feel good to me, so I don't want to be a part of those conversations. Mm-hmm. Just to be willing to recognize what is it especially in the holidays is what yeah. I'm thinking of, that I can or can't tolerate yeah. and just say that yeah, to myself and to the person that needs to know that. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's, that's good. I think, I think you're spot on. Um, one thing that uh, comes up as far as bandwidth, I think of bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of times we're, we're hard on ourselves. Um, we take responsibility for things that, 
aren't our responsibility. Mm. And so we have to discern like, yes, I'm responsible too, but I'm not responsible for what mm. kind of like discerning what, what is my responsibility? Cause I can't control something that's not my responsibility outside of like somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't control them. And so kind of like discerning like what is within my control? Uh, what am I responsible for? And that's different than being responsible mm-hmm. to carrying that. Um, and then also just bandwidth, you know, being able to like know your bandwidth. Um, I think of of the airplane, the oxygen mask. And they always tell you to put yeah. your ox- oxygen mask on you first yeah, versus it's your such child. A and like, well, that's that's counterintuitive, but it makes sense mm-hmm. in the in that environment. And so, you know, you. I think it just kind of comes back to like you have to take care of yourself so that you can can take care of others mm-hmm. and kind of setting those boundaries of like this is what I need I, I uh, for me to be well and to help I need this and kind of like just identifying that yeah why is that so hard for us you think we just Pressure. think it's like you mentioned self like we feel selfish well, I think that I think we're concerned too about how other people will perceive that. Yeah. Oh, what what's up with them? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Instead of saying, no, this is really what I need. I'm going to be a better me for you right. when I take care of myself. Yeah. Yeah. I've mm-hmm. heard it said too that the only people who are upset about your boundaries are the people you need the boundaries <laughs> with. <laughs> that's a <laughs> <good> point. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's so good. Codependency. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Yeah. We could open up all of those things. Um, <laughs> lots of conversations. That's so good. Um, is there anything you would say to people? Um, we've kind of talked about this throughout this whole conversation, but like, how do we, how do you think we break, break the stigma and just continue to, to move forward? Like, like you said, when you're growing up, it's just, it's very different now in a good way. Like people can get help, but I think there's still work to do. How do we continue to, um, encourage ourselves and our loved ones to, to keep moving forward? And as a society, how do we do that? That's a big question. It is a big question. <laughs> I think m- modeling kind of comes to mind as far as, you know, like you, you even sharing that you see a counselor, mm. um, it, it, you're modeling that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have found that when I tell people to do something, it doesn't happen. You know, it has <laughs> to be their idea. So, <laughs> um, and, and just kind of like being, letting it be attractive in some sense mm-hmm. uh, is, is kind of like the, I think the best, best way yeah. to promote that. Um, yeah. One of the things I've found with new clients is, the hardest session is the first session. Mm. Yeah. It's not uncommon for someone to make an appointment and cancel it, that first mm-hmm. one, because they're so afraid. They're afraid they're going to be judged, or they're afraid they won't know what to say. They might be a one, and they might not do it right. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, but typically, after the first session, people say, wow, this felt so good just yeah. to be heard. Yeah. You know, that's really what it's about. I, I need to be heard. Mm-hmm. We, we often say that presence is healing. Oh, that's really good. Just being there Sitting for somebody. Sitting with someone yeah. is healing. And so letting people see it's okay. It's normal mm-hmm. to need to be heard and feel like maybe in your circle you're not always heard. So mm-hmm. get that help. Reach out. 
Yeah, that's really good. You guys have any um, any final thoughts of encouragement, or just just about this topic in general, or things that you're seeing, um, or that you hope to see in the future as you continue um, as you continue your practice and serving people? I think it's such an like an honorable thing that you guys do. Such a needed needed and um, helpful thing that you provide for people. I think. Um... I, I, I think of people who are healthy who still see counselors uh, because they're working on specific things. And, and it can be a, a, um, a, a path of Christ formation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm just thinking of um, what does it look like to grow as an individual, to keep growing? Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think we ever stop? No. 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 And so, and, and that's, even that is the idea of like, am, am I, am I intentionally growing? Mm. Am I intentionally taking steps to like stretch myself or uh, engage new areas, um, which can be scary. So, <laughs> but yeah, what does it, what does it mean to grow? Um, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, it's good. Okay. What does it mean to grow? Such a powerful question I think we should each be asking ourselves in whatever season we may find ourselves in. I was really encouraged by Mark saying that change is slow. It's a process, and if we commit to it, we'll see the fruit that comes from the hard work that we put in. I also appreciated how Donna reminded us that we can say no, and we can set boundaries when we need them, even if other people don't understand or agree with them. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you are encouraged to take your next step towards growth and health, whatever that looks like for you. We've really enjoyed bringing these conversations to you and would love to know if you have any thoughts or questions as we wrap up this season. So send those things to podcast at faithcommunity.co. We've got one more episode coming, so be on the lookout for that soon as we continue to discover what matters most.